Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we are interested in what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Open our hearts, because it's so very clear that this gospel, the message of John, is about repentance. Help us to embrace that word and see it as a love gift that you have for us. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was a little kid, when everyone else was playing house or fort or something else in their make-believe world, my brothers and I came together and we played church. <laughs> we had a church because my dad at that time was a Baptist minister. That's before he became a Presbyterian minister. And we would get into the pulpit and pretend to be preachers. And we would get into the pulpit and we would say, repent, repent. And it was weird because that's not the way my dad preached. And I don't know why as little kids we thought that that was the message that the preachers gave. But guess what? It kind of is. It is the message for all of us, for all time. No one is exempt. It is the message of repentance. It's necessary for spiritual vitality. It's necessary for the faith. But it's a word that's been avoided, and I think it's been a little bit out of favor. And I think that's because the word repentance is intertwined with the word guilt. And guilt is legitimate. It's not something to avoid. But some of us and some of you know that it's really difficult to discern between honest guilt and unnecessary taking responsibility for every single thing guilt but I have noticed in recent years, people will say, I don't want to feel guilty about anything. Guilt is legitimate. We just don't want to be guilty about the wrong stuff. And there is a beauty to guilt. And there is a beauty to repentance. Owning our own frailties. And it has something to do with who we are at the epitome of being human, the best of being human is the ability to come to God and say, I'm sorry. That is what differentiates us from other beings, although my cats do act guilty sometimes. But we're pretty sure that this is what it means to be human. Coming clean and being in alignment and yearning for God and turning to God. The need for repentance at its very inception is the Holy Spirit working on our hearts to convict our spirits. The Holy Spirit convicts, but the Holy Spirit never convicts us about anyone else. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us and say, so-and-so needs to repent. The only ones that we worry about is ourselves. And every single one of us needs to repent from time to time. So this was John the Baptist's message. He was a prophet, and people flocked to him. And his message was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the Messiah is coming. And he had no marketing value whatsoever. He was not an appealing man. He wore animal skins, and he ate locusts. 
But his message spoke to the people and they were driven from all parts of Palestine to come and listen to him. And what drew them? Was it curiosity? He was pretty extraordinary. And you know that Palestine had been without a prophet for 400 years. The voices of the prophets had been silenced. And now this guy was being raised up in the wilderness and people flocked to him, even though his message was a bit much to take and his appearance was appalling and the venue was the wilderness. His radical message was come clean with the truth, the truth. And it touched spirits and touched souls. And it's different with what people think they get to hear today, which is, tell me something that I want to hear. Oh, I agree with it, so it must be right. Or the predominant message, you're fine. You can have your own truth. You can have no regrets. And to be real honest with you, congregation, I have never heard anyone here say, I have no regrets. But I hear it in the culture all the time. People will say, I have no regrets for anything. Well, we don't want to carry around with us regrets that we can do nothing about. We can bring everything to Christ and be forgiven. But you hear people say, I don't regret anything, even though there's human carnage along the way because it made me the person I am today. We are made in the image of God, but we are not God. We turn toward God and repent and when we turn toward him, we turn away from sin. And as you know, the classical definition of sin is separation from God. And sin can be an act, although it's also sometimes a thought, and it's also sometimes an attitude. It clouds our God vision, and it puts walls in our hearts so we can no longer see God. Sin is a freeing reality. It helps us to know that we are all in this together. We are all sinners. It helps us to understand us and each other and ourselves and anything that takes us away from God and turns us away from him is sin. I have a horrible example. Earlier this week on one of the pseudo news shows, there was footage in Los Angeles of two women in late model SUVs. Did you see this? crashing into each other. They had road rage, and then they took their road rage into a parking lot, and you could see and hear the people go, ah, oh, ah, oh, as they crashed into each other and crashed into each other and crashed into each other. Obviously, that's a sin. Sin is destructive. What's weird, though, is that I saw it once, and then I went to see it, watch it again. And I began to question, is this just as much of a sin? Because when I was watching this, I wasn't saying, I wonder what culturally led them to be so outrageously mad that they had this kind of displaced aggression. No, what I was saying is, what's wrong with them? And it was sort of a superior one-up position. I would never do that. Well, listen, folks, we all have rage at time, from time to time, and it does get displaced. And I doubt very seriously if any of us would do that. But here's the thing, we are all in this together. And I thought the sin is so pervasive 
how can we even handle this? What do we do? Ask for forgiveness 24-7? We have to make a conscious effort to turn away from sin and receive forgiveness and be washed clean. And how can this happen? It's one word, Christ. He came and actually bore our sins into himself. He's God. He's outside of time. So any sin that any of us might have actually inhabited his body. We just read the Apostles' Creed and we recited it. What do you think it means when it says he descended into hell? What it means is we do not have to go there. He took the sins of the world upon himself and atoned for us. What we need to do is go to him and say, I believe in you. I want a relationship with you. Take over, Lord. Nothing else will do. John the Baptist's message speaks to the core of our human condition. Repent now and get ready for the Messiah because the kingdom of God is at hand. And if we don't repent, we might not even recognize him. We will be so walled up in our own sin. Confessing their sin to God, the masses were baptized by him in the Jordan. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he said, don't rely on your position, your so-called credentials, and your sense of entitlement. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When we repent, even if it's just for a moment or so, our ability to judge others and ourselves is gone. I baptize you with the water for repentance, John said, to prepare for Christ. And people continue to be baptized by immersion today including Presbyterians, we do have that option. And it means being washed of our sins. And it's an outward sin, sign of an inward reality about what Christ has done. And it's extremely, extremely meaningful. And in our sacraments, we have two of them, baptism and communion. We believe the Holy Spirit is there in a very unique way. But baptized, being baptized by immersion is one half of the whole we baptized Kevin today. And I'm sorry, Kevin hasn't sinned. He's a baby. And his baptism, covenant baptism, is also primarily what we embrace. The beauty in that is, is that he belongs to the covenant of faith, the people since Abraham who have been set aside and actually given to God. But there's more to it than that. Kevin does not have to do one thing to earn God's love. All he has to do is receive it. Overwhelming, lavishing love. God is with Kevin now in a unique way, and we have given him to the Lord. Infant baptism emphasizes grace. Adult believer's baptism emphasizes repentance. When you put the two together, what you've got is God. Let us pray.
Lord God, we are so relieved, utterly relieved, that a perfectionistic model or a model where we have to follow rules precisely has nothing to do with the way you love us. In fact, help us to stop striving for the impossible and help us to receive the full grace of Jesus Christ. And we ask this in your powerful, powerful name. Amen.